Hello everybody, welcome back to the Arculus Studio. Today, I got your truly blockchain boy coming in hot. Dude, how are you doing today, man? It's a fantastic day to be alive and uh, not in a disgusting Brooklyn prison like Sam Bankman Freed. Everyone, if you've been tuning into the crypto space over the weekend and uh, you know into this week, you'll know that Sam is uh, very comfortable in his, in his little prison cell, um, apparently requesting depression medication, which I'm sure many of his victims uh, could, could share that uh, sentiment. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, you know, it's great that our taxpaying money gets to go, you know, help this guy in his mental cases and his mental health uh, after scamming us out of $7 billion. But there's a lot of stuff happening in the news today. First and foremost is going to be uh, the talks of the Bitcoin spot ETF. There was a brand new one that launched first mover advantage in Europe. Uh, so we're going to be diving into what that means for the U.S. economy. A former SEC chair came out and gave his thoughts on uh, an actual spot ETF passing and when it could. Uh, so we'd be breaking that down in 2024, but then there's just a lot kind of announcements breaking through the entire crypto sector. So whatever you want to start with, we can jump straight into, uh, you know, the SEC talk's going to be quite long as always. Uh, so, you know, if you have any updates you want to hit first. Well, generally speaking, I mean, we have Coinbase's layer one hitting the streets today, so to speak, uh, which, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, we saw what happened with your NFT marketplace. Why should we give your layer one facts? Any thoughts? I mean, if you guys remember, <clears throat> I was one of the first people to sign up for Coinbase's NFT marketplace. And I was, I think I was number like, I was in the top 500. Um, and then I've only bought one NFT on their platform. And then it was marked stolen because they don't understand how to do anything on that platform. So that was a waste of money. Um, now, you know, it had a lot of hype behind it and they basically did nothing with it. So my curious thoughts are, uh, it, will their layer one feature sort of the same uh, points? I mean, uh, you know, I don't see anyone trying to build on that. It's just really like how many layer ones do we need? Every exchange, it seems like, is trying to be that narrative, trying to have their own layer one, their own decks, their own, uh, all, their own stable coin, whatever they're trying to uh, folks, I mean, look at Binance, right? Binance has been jumping from USDT, USDC over to BUSD, then to CUSD after the SEC went after them. And then now they're on FDUSD. Uh, you, you have Coinbase, which is obviously in bed with USDC. And those are going to be your two biggest winners right now. Uh, the, the one that would follow up to that would be true USD after the kind of the collapse, so to speak, the shutdown of BUSD. And now we're seeing Binance use FDUSD to prop up their exchange. And they're trying to do some like uh, promotions, uh, free trading fees. Uh, and conversions like that to prop up that. So we, we did just see Binance file a court order against the SEC trying to at least, you know, fight back a little bit. Um, really good on them. Well, let's let's hold off until we see what ends up what ends up happening from that. Well, I mean, think about it, though. Like, like, I know I talk a lot about Binance and kind of like what I believe they've been doing. But I respect CZ in the sense that I think he's been playing the field pretty fairly. I mean, no differently than Coinbase, no differently than Tether, no differently than any of these other exchanges so and stable coins out you'd there. You'd say Sam Bigman Freed was sort of playing the uh, the horn bets in hard ways, huh? Uh, well, let's put it this way. I mean, he played it until he got caught. Yeah, Th there that was no. Was, uh... There is no. The, he met with the SEC multiple times, and it took. How long for them to manipulate markets and print the uh, entire bull run? Hey, it right? takes a criminal to know a criminal. Shout out Gary Gensler. True. So, you know, and obviously what FTX, FTX did was insanely bad, but we can't, you can allegate that against like Binance and these, these companies, but they haven't been caught for it. And we don't know if that's actually the case. They're saying they have, you know, 100% backed reserves and we can't argue against that, right? So what they're coming out with the SEC, I'm actually for because th think about this. 
Paxos, the company that was issuing BUSD, the stable coins for Binance, was the one, if you remember back in 2022, that uh, the SEC went after. The investigators said, hey, you got to stop printing these. These are unregistered securities. So Binance gets a Wells notice. Uh, CZ goes, okay, we're done. We're going to stop printing these. Or Paxos says they're done printing it. So he has nothing to do. And he converts. He leaves the United States with Binance.us. And they kind of just start pushing outside of the United States. Only to see a year later, that same company that's white labeling BUSD, they white label these currencies. They all, all those stable coins are pretty much structured the same way. They launched a stable coin for PayPal, which is a publicly traded company in the US. Which, you know, I think a lot of people are, are missing the true, I guess, implication of PayPal launching a stable coin. Um, being someone who's been in the space since 2017, we've always had a lot of fun against Tether. Um, and we kind of, you know, we've all kind of switched to USDC, especially after the Terra Luna debacle that happened. But PayPal is a trusted name in the space uh, as far as financial transactions go. Granted, we've all had issues with them, at least I have. But, you know, this offers an alternative that probably isn't a scam, I would say. Well, and... You know, the more we look into this, I've been covering FDUSD and a lot of how these products works for the, the audience that doesn't know. If you don't know how a stablecoin works, when a user deposits $1 to that stablecoin issuer, that stablecoin issuer takes that dollar, converts it into a stablecoin, one of one. So if you have $1, you get one stablecoin. The way the stablecoin issuer makes money is by taking that dollar in that stablecoin now and converting that back into US treasuries. And they earn yield off those treasuries in their reserve, which at this case in this market, with the Federal Reserve having a 5%, you know, 5.5% interest rates on the short-term bonds, they're like, this is the ultimate yield farming mechanism. So when you understand that, you see why CZ wants his own stable coin, right? Because all of his FDUSD backed by the US treasuries and reverse repo as well. USDC, Tether is claiming it to be, even though we really haven't seen their audits. And so they're all making billions of dollars. I mean, think about it. if you have a hundred billion dollars in reserves, and I mean, this is just a you know in theory, or even a hundred million, and you're getting four to five percent back on that. Uh, that is a very easy business model, and you would understand why uh, they want to each of these these big giants, the big three, Tether, Binance, and Coinbase, wants to yield from that. I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars for one of the easiest business structures. It's I very mean, simple. It's a very simple structure. It's kind of funny. Today, today we're filming this on a Tuesday, but uh, yeah, you know, basically half a century ago, you know, we had, we went off the gold standard uh, today, which is kind of funny that you mentioned, you know, one to one issuance. The U.S. dollar is not even one to one issuance, and it hasn't been for a long time. And uh, you know, I think that's kind of the point with some of these stable coins. It's like Terra Luna failed you know, wasn't one-to-one, -one. it was algorithmic. I mean, you know, Tether probably isn't one-to-one. -one. What's, you know, what stable coin has public reserves like that? It's difficult. Um, and, you know, I think when it comes to trusting stable coins, you know, I, I generally don't, uh, but they're very necessary, right? You need to have, back in 2017, everything was paired against Bitcoin and Ethereum, and uh, that made everything a lot more volatile, right? You'd had you had basically the fluctuating price of Bitcoin and you measured your altcoins and sats, right? This is when Satoshis were a lot more relevant. The introduction of, of stable coins really didn't happen until 2020. And so they're still relatively new. I mean, we had some stable coin yeah, activity, tether. but <laughs> it wasn't nearly as common and it wasn't nearly as widespread. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing, we're, we're literally doing the stable coin experiment 
as we go and we see what happens when it has these large crashes uh, and the implications of that, right? And so being careful when you're using stable coins, I think is important to practice uh, diversification of stable coins. Don't have all your money in one stable coin. Uh, and not to mention, like if you're, if you're actually going to, you know, participate in DeFi and stuff, like make sure you're not, uh, you're not putting yourself at risk to get frozen or, uh, you know, having your assets locked by some of these centralized coins. Yeah, and I used to be scared you know, there's been a lot of FUD around stable coins just in general, like like you just mentioned. But what I've like come to realize over the years in the space and just more recently is understanding, okay, this is very 2020 to me. Like, it's funny that you said that too, that it launched in 2020, because what else happened in 2020? In 2020, we had the whole COVID crisis and we had Elizabeth Warren and Janet Yellen going to war about giving BlackRock more room uh, to become too big to fail, essentially. Uh, for you guys that don't know, BlackRock really came into the markets in 2008 after the recession when Obama pretty much sold out the government to save the economy uh, to BlackRock with these management funds and everything. We don't need to go into that history completely. But in 2020, Elizabeth Warren, which a lot of people in crypto despise, actually was low-key a badass. Uh, she was really trying to stop these big three. The, this is BlackRock, obviously that ties into Vanguard, State Street, et cetera, from becoming so big that they are more powerful than the United States combined because they're managing way more GDP than the US and even China really together. And so what we're now seeing in crypto is like, okay, stable coins are new, but now there's so much liquidity in these things that I believe that they're kind of too big to fail as well in that, that same manner of uh, that, that same aspect, because if USDC collapses, even if Tether or not, sorry, not Tether, but uh, yeah, if Tether collapses or USDC or any of these, it ruins the rest of the crypto industry. I mean, it will be ugly. Well, yes, but I also think like you can pretty much see the, the, the printing schedule of Tether and seeing how it inflates this, this market cap. So one must ask yourself, how much of crypto is fake? You know, like there's a reason why people are so skeptical um, and things really got off the rails when we started printing like crazy. It's the same problem, uh, you know, what is it? 50 something, 60 years ago that the U.S. had going off the gold standard is you're inflating uh, the value of these of these currencies. You know, how many times have you seen Tether DPEG and your asshole just like tighten because you're like, oh, my God, is this happening? Um, and every time it's repegged, but uh, there could be a day when it doesn't. And that's why I. You know, I always tell people, hey, I don't hold stable coins longer than I have to. Well, crypto to me is like the ultimate solution to the fractional banking system, right? Like you just mentioned, like they just kept printing and printing and inflating, inflating, inflating. We got to this point where everybody's like, okay, the Fed's can keep kicking the, the, the can down the road. But like, is it two years? Is it three years? Is it four years before everything kind of crumbles and collapses and we have this great depression? When you look at crypto, like... Yes, we've printed too much. And I agree with you in that statement because we just saw the Federal Reserve come out on August 8th and create a new advisory board that's going to be supervising specifically stable coins and allowing them have access to these reverse repo markets, which means, one, the auditing is going to have to be up like you you can't get past. It's got to be top tier auditing. It's going to be completely backed by U.S. Treasuries and have that access point. When, when you see that, I, I don't know, man, I think that's. I think this benefits the U.S. in a lot of different ways that people don't realize. I don't necessarily know we're going to get a CBDC now. And I I think that people are like, OK, let's let's settle with alternative currencies and stable coins. But they don't realize that those are just as centralized and just as technologically uh, transparent, really, like where they can govern the government can track you, et cetera, because you have to convert your Bitcoin into a stable coin that's issued or supervised by the feds. 
Well, we just saw that. we just saw India settle oil payments in rupees today, which was pretty cool for the first time. Um, and and given that we get we have this you know uh, on demand liquidity, uh, <laughs> you you know I almost think we're going to see a, a decentralization of currencies to the point where, you know, let's say you have a couple digital you know rupees or digital you know um, um, what's that what's Russians Russian rubles. rubles rubles and I have some digital dollars. Those should be able to be exchanged instantly, and you know, there's no, there's no reason why we can't spend those. And, and I like we're spending them at a shop that doesn't take them, and that doesn't instantly, it doesn't get instantly converted into local currency. It's the same thing with like, you know, speech. Is there ever going to be another lingua franca? Probably not, because technology allows us to so- circumnavigate uh, these language barriers. So, you know, in 10, 20 years from now you probably won't have to essentially touch foreign currencies to the point where, you know, Forex traders are going to get pissed off because the liquidity is just going to be so quick. There's going to be, it's good. Such low volatility. I mean, you're not gonna be able to arbitrage, you know, I mean, maybe based off of world events, but in terms of like actually like selling, selling your, your coins for other, other coins, I mean, it should be easily on demand. I mean, obviously there's issues with, you know, centralization and control, but when it comes to just the user experience, it should be very fluid and and easy to transition. Yeah, and to get there though, this is the question I want everybody to ask themselves. And I don't know if you've thought about this in depth. I know you like see my videos and probably just <laughs> scroll by because we do the same thing. But so for all these currencies, like cool, like these digital, the digitalization of this, what do all of these exchanges and stable coins, what are they backed by? They're all backed by one thing and that is US treasuries. So my point to this conversation is like, if we do get to that world, the way we're heading right now is all of these auditing, all these stable coins and exchanges, they're all backed by the US Treasury. So everybody that says, oh, this is bad for the US dollar. If we start seeing trillions of dollars in influx and volume, it's just gonna be copy and pasted just like the fractional reserve. $1 issued, you get a stable coin, goes into the treasuries, you can convert however you freaking want, whether it's rubles, whether it's, you know, you uh, want, whatever you want. And that's what I've been thinking about. But obviously that's a larger conversation. And I just think it's, very ironic that crypto which is supposed to be completely decentralized anti-establishment break away the fractional banking system is actually supporting it in every single shape and shape and way right now today well i've always said that blockchain is either going to be used to to liberate financially the world or it's going to be used to continue to oppress it and um you know it's really up to us to determine which way that goes right as a community as a people um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just like any tech can be used for good or evil. You can use drones to deliver food and packages, or you can use them, you know, to become assassination weapons. I mean, every technology is going to have its benefits and drawbacks, but I, I still think that in terms of where we're going as a, as a global community, uh, crypto is only a benefit. I mean, governments will control what they want to control and you can, you can whine about that all you want, but that's kind of the reality. Uh, you can just opt yeah. out. You can choose to opt out uh, the same way people choose to opt out of being off grid and, you know, prepping or whatever they want to do. And, you know, that's why I think crypto like kind of crosses over to these niche marginalized communities that traditionally are seen as kooks or wild because these people opt out of of the system regularly. Right. Like a good example is Nate, Nate from, uh, you know, from TikTok uh, here over here in West Virginia. He's got his own little solar land set up. He, he's building his own properties. He has his own outhouse he built. He's on hundreds of acres uh, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was literally so difficult to get to him. And, uh, you know, he's 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 a crypto guy, right? Uh, people you'd never expect, you know, would are, that are crypto people are crypto people. And a lot of them are sort of this rebellious, like, 
let's not be part of the current system. Um, and I think that's sort of that, that mindset that we have, uh, turned up to 11 where they're kind of like, all right, we don't want to do anything in this, in this, in this messed up society. And they're just opting out. And honestly, a lot of people today have that, have that similar sentiment, but, um, most people just can't afford to do that. Yeah. It's, so my argument is that I think ironically, and they, we don't, uh, the majority of the space doesn't realize this because they're all advocating for decentralization. It's opting out. I think it's just, I think it's a new, I think it's opting into the current system. And I, I, I mean, there's a lot more. We have to break this down. I have videos on this, but it's, I don't know, man. It's interesting. It's interesting as a whole. But, you know, what is not so interesting is something that we definitely know that we need to do, whether you are opting out or opting is that you need to opt out of these exchanges, guys. You need yeah. to opt out of keeping your crypto held on these centralized entities because what we do know is that self-custody is the safest way to store your keys, to store your crypto. Uh, and what better way to do that than with a beautiful Arculus wallet? You could see Blockchain Boy pulling up his map. You guys know one. I keep that thing on me, TikTok Live. You know, I keep that thing on me at all times. What's up, Mike? Yeah, no, TikTok, I'll be giving nobody live notifications. Um, we have our TikTok chat here as well. Shout out to you guys for hanging out. Uh, we'll take some questions at the end for anyone who hangs out. We're recording here on YouTube. Find us at Kryptonite uh, on YouTube. And, uh, you know, guys, when it comes to self-custody, like we, we really do love Arculus. They've been a pleasure to work with over the last year and change. And at this point, dude, it's pretty much the only hardware wallet I, I bring with me, bring with me on trips. I prefer to use it when I can. Uh, just a, it's just a robust experience. Not to mention, they just uh, switched uh, uh, providers for their swap features, so you'll be able to swap a lot quicker and simpler now, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's going to take much less time. Yeah, they're continuously um, Continuously working on their product, and, and shout out to the team. Check us out, Code920Arculus.com. Get Arculus.com uh, to support the channel. Thank you, guys. And to kind of wrap up this conversation and move it into the next segment here, uh, first and foremost, I want to say this is actually makes me bullish. So like there, there's, there's two things I'm looking for. One, it makes me bullish on the fact that I believe crypto is obviously here to stay. If we have, if the government is using this and it's benefiting the U S treasuries and all this stuff, and you have the federal reserve building boards to supervise this, that's bullish, right? Uh, maybe not the way most of the people in the community that like all the libertarians, but it is still bullish that there's going to be volume coming into this market. The second thing though, where we can confirm this, and I know you want to talk about this subject is my in my opinion those theories that i've been covering for years this is all proven right if a bitcoin spot etf is launched because if a bitcoin spot etf is launched by blackrock or any of these mega, mega institutions uh that will be the moment where now all of this liquidity in the market is being managed by centralized entities and it's got to be converted out more or less into a uh one of one stable coin that is under the supervision of the federal reserve and so this leads into a question I have for you, which is what are your thoughts on obviously the Bitcoin ETF announcement coming out of Europe? Uh, you know, and where do you see us heading into 2024? Is this bullish for crypto in the short term? Are we going to probably see another six months of sideways trade action? Uh, what are you looking for out of this? Well, I think there's a few things that that the SEC wants to have over with before they announce a spot ETF. The trial of Sam Bankman fried I think, has to be at least close to being finished and decided. Uh, because that is going to set huge precedent. Also, the Ripple lawsuit, as much as that keeps dragging on, I think that needs to <laughs> that needs to be something that they want to decide on first. So the SEC has it in their mind that they can push this back indefinitely. They've seen it. They've done it for years. They'll continue to do it. It's like, whatever. Okay. Uh, they're trying to either get a better entry for their, their overlords at BlackRock, or they just want to, you know, 
uh, suppress the space as much as they can because they're selfish and assholes. Um, now, Europe is a lot more crypto blockchain friendly, and uh, we've seen this time and time again. So I'm not surprised at all that they're going to have a spot ETF passed. Actually, maybe I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to walk that back slightly. I am a little bit surprised that they're doing it before the U.S. because Europe is a bit like America light when it comes to following the regulations the and the policy that Americans have. Uh, but as America is becoming much more regionalistic and and America first, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we've seen Europe start to pull away. Now, the European Union is a dysfunctional organization that honestly is probably going to fall apart within our lifetimes. And NATO certainly... Uh, Certainly is something, a, a to topic of discussion, but it's seen more relevance thanks to the Ukraine war. Uh, but I will say this, you know, uh, they are a bit more forward thinking than us when it comes to to technology, uh, which is funny because half of them don't have air conditioners. Well, I think it's ironic because Europe is going to be more of a, a democratic uh, viewpoint on a lot of their policies and stances where in the United States, which I'm going to bring up some polls here for everybody watching. Uh, right now, it's primarily Republicans that are going to be more pro-crypto that are also looking at lifting these sanctions, which is also, again, ironic because Trump was so against it in the beginning. But coming with like DeSantis and uh, you have Vivek uh, from the Republican side and even the Trump administration has like hinted at things. Uh, Bro, Trump dropped his own NFTs. Don't talk to me about he, that. Well, and he holds Ethereum. He holds like $250,000 worth of Ethereum. So like coming into these elections, uh, the former SEC chair said it's really going to be dependable on who's dependable on who's elected. His worst case is Biden will have the most strict policies on crypto. The best case is going to be uh, I actually he did say the Republicans. My argument would be that he's just disregarding RFK. RFK has literally said he want to back the U.S. dollar by Bitcoin. Which one? Once again, I don't think that's going to happen. But if that were, that proves my point 100% again. So, like moving into this election, I think it's going to the Bitcoin spot ETF is going to really rely on uh, the elections coming out of next year. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to take a little quick prediction here. Biden's winning. You want to see the poll numbers? I mean, I sure. Why not? I I, I would agree with you. Right now, he still leads somehow massively. I don't know how. Do people are just if, dumb? If anyone even listens to a word that. Vivek Ramaswamy says, uh, then, you know, I think they'd, I think they'd have a clear choice, uh, in the matter here. Because I would say between, I would say Vivek and even, uh, RFK, definitely a lot of different policies. My issue with RFK is, is his crackpot vaccine theories. Like I, I agree with some of that stuff about the COVID vaccine that it was definitely rushed and there's a lot of sus crap going on. But when you got a guy out here arguing that we should not use the polio vaccine, my respect for you drops to like zero. Um, because that's fucking crazy. Did he say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I watched, I sent you the damn video, the breakdown of all of his vaccine, vaccine statements. Now, look, I agree with him on a lot of issues, but like polio is not something I want to play around with. Um, and it makes me question his, uh, his other beliefs a little bit more. That being said, he has a lot of very base takes on, on the economy, on the environment, on, on the farce, on the pharmaceutical companies and their, their garbage ass stuff. Yeah, um, I'd be cautious on that polio one. I think it might have been. T I don't. I got to research I, in that I, one. I looked into this, but a lot, lot of the vaccine stuff's been taken heavily out of context. Like the you Pfizer one with the dinner. You 
can't take this one out of context. I'm sorry. Uh, I just looked it up. Like I can, I will send you that video again, and it is it, it goes through. It's two hours long. Okay, I'll go through. Uh, I want to see. That I haven't seen about that one, but like the like, like I, I just remember on the news they were like bashing him on the COVID dinner, and then like he just said a study. But again, I'm not even defending in that case. Like I'm like for this guy. No, it's like, I'm uh, yeah, just like, no. I, let's be I that was like I re I like to research the bad parts about candidates, but um, you know, everyone's got their skeletons in the closet. I mean, is it really? Is it really any worse than uh, some of the crap I've heard come out of the other people's mouths? 100%. So going to these polls, I, I agree with you. But either way, between these two, I, I would say those are going to be your better ones. I mean, really, Pence, are we getting there? But the, all the polls, dude, are Trump and Biden. By like, There's not even a, there's no competition. It is Trump and Biden, 2024, like 43% Trump. Then you got some that are 40 or 41% Trump, 43% Biden. Um, DeSantis, not even on the scale. Vivek's actually right behind DeSantis uh, by a little bit. DeSantis on one of the polls has about seven more percent than Vivek himself, and that's coming from the Republican side of things. But Trump is leading the Republican Party with 52 percent votes, 63 uh, percent votes, 40 percent votes. So, man, dude, politics just suck. Like, do people are just brainwashed? I don't know. Because it looks like it's going to be Trump Biden heavily, like, and then Democrats, there's no one that even steps. I mean, up what Biden. is Trump going to call in from his prison cell? Like, what is his plan? I just, I don't understand that. Like, where are these people coming from, dude? Like, where? Well, the Republican Party is in trouble because Trump has kind of split the party down the line. You've got the more moderate conservatives on one side, traditional Republicans, I'd say, and you got this new wave MAGA, uh, you know, wave on the other side. Um, and they just, you know, they have very opposing viewpoints. And so Republicans really need to figure out how to, how to come together around a common message. Um, and, and, and some people are like, oh, that's what a moderate is for. I disagree. I find moderates to be very irritating to deal with as presidents. Like, like Joe Biden is, is actually pretty moderate con compared to some of the other people like Bernie Sanders or, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren who could have won. But, you know, even now it's like, just dude is just so infuriating because these policies, it's like he hits two, two steps forward, you know, the one step forward, 13 <laughs> steps back. Yeah. It's more than that, dude. And, and so, just, like, everything he campaigned for in 2020 is now doing the opposite. This, and I, I agree with you on these points, which is why when I look at this news, I'm like, if anybody just picked up a book and read, that's why I like Vivek and RFK, whether or not you agree with the policies or not. At least both of them, when they're arguing and debating, they're using at least studies or they're they're, they're they'll compromise. Well, right? If you show he, them a study, he sound, they, they both sound like real people, which is like, yeah, problem with Vivek, I think way too young, you know, and so definitely hoping in the future. But surprisingly, though, he's actually he's going viral. He's doing the right things. He's campaigning properly. He is getting percentage. I, I, if you want, I would feel bad for all the first graders who have to spell his name. It's, I'm not even. I, why do you think I'm not trying to pronounce his last name? Uh, you know, and then Kennedy, of course, is just getting dwarfed. Now, what you might see, though, is... Dude, I'd love to see Trump win again. I mean, not, not going to lie. Like, politics dude, aside, that guy's funny. Man. That guy's hilarious. He is funny, but I'm like, tired like, of the... Everything he says makes me, like, a cackle, like, to the point of tears, dude. Like, he literally, there's this... The first thing I saw is, like, uh, of him coming back. Like, the one time he comes out in public, he's like... It's 104 degrees in this room. They turned the air conditioning off, and dude, I fucking died at that. It became a cap cut 
trend. No, um, it's good. Well, I, I just want more Trump moments like that. That's funny as fuck. For me, I, I just want a president that's going to do like actual good shit. And I'm not like trashing on either side here, but I am. I'm not. I'm very kind of independent on these decisions. But from the previous three presidents, it's not just Trump. It's not just Biden. It was also Obama. It was all three. And then if you want to get into Bush, I mean, talk about the Iraq war. We don't need to do that. Dude, Bush, I mean, you know, you know how what? I am with carbon credits. Bush and, like, is the wage prosperity too. gap. Well, I think all the presidents have had their moments, but dude, Bush got a shoe thrown at him. That's hilarious. When did what rally was that? You've never seen that? No, you've never seen. Look up, but hey, Charles, I probably have, but I just don't remember. Pull up Bush shoe. Bush gets shoe thrown at him, and I remember this because my high school teacher shout out Mr. James. He's probably living in some like fucking Thailand or something. He was like, yeah, he, he, uh, we would all, we'd always watch this like George Bush video or some shit. Yeah, Bush dodges the flying shoe, dude. Uh, Bush was actually a very funny president because he always put his foot right in his mouth. Um, like everything he said was always just so fucking dumb. And uh, and uh, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> like, dude, chocolate too. Yeah, no, he took both shoes off. Um, Look how late the bodyguards are. Yeah, if that was in 2021, he would have been dead as a doornail. That is that is funny, dude. Dude, it, well, and this is my point. It's just like these last, I don't know how people just, they're blinded to this. I mean, you look at the oh, policies, policies, and they don't have, understand anything that's fucking happening. Like, all I care about, look at the wage versus prosperity gap. Look at, go just look in the carbon credits and like how that's incentivized. Exxon, Shell, what's happening in Maui, the all of the... Uh, which, which, by the way, a little suspicious that all those fires stopped right in front of the rich people's houses. That is... I'm not trying to stoke the fire here. I'm going to be real. I th- they just hire private firefighters. That's a thing. That just takes money. What I think it was is just basic capitalism. And this goes into what I was going to say is like the sugarcane farms that were pushed out of Hawaii because of cheaper labor in whether it was Florida or uh, South America a lot. Uh, they left all of the high grass and uh, a lot of like they converted from uh, feeding crops and like farming to uh, sugarcane and it was never taken care of and it just kept getting priced out and priced out and those corporations they just shut down nothing ever happened so there was invasive species from tall grass which i'm sure you've seen the pictures of just caught a flooding of it for all the people that push it into the rich people's homes that's just again another issue of capitalism is like they can afford to hire private firefighters that's a thing we just had this discussion about how people who suffer from hurricanes the most are the people who can't afford to leave uh, just another example of how capitalism, yeah, yeah. late stage capitalism is just yeah. ripping apart people over here with this climate change crap. Um, but that's all we got time for you today, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We had a couple uh, good moments on here. And don't forget to like, comment, follow, subscribe if you're watching on TikTok. Come shoot us a follow on YouTube. And uh, let us know what you'd like to see in the next episode. Um, thank you all to our listeners on Spotify, too, by the way. Shout out to the homies. And if you guys um you know would like to to see us cover a specific topic let us know in the comments of the youtube section this is all we got for you now uh hopefully i'll be uh, back at it here with some more alpha for you guys on thursday and josh will be back here with another 40 minute ramble on internal politics and monetary policy hey i think our conversations are fun they're fun i'm just busting your balls and uh, i think we kill it man uh busting them balls hard brother guys thank you out